a Lifetime original podcast. She cracks open two Oxycontins, dumps them in her orange juice, swishes it around. And I said, that's a Nanabobo special. That's what my grandma used to do. Ooh, she used to take her Oxycontin, smash it up, and pour Diet Coke over it. And I said, Bobo, give me a little over here. I love a Lifetime movie. I want to help a lady get gussied up before her grandson comes. You're drilling, you're filling, you're billing. Okay. Oh my God, something from Cleveland. How exciting. That's the rude part. Don't invite me to dinner and I have no actual food there. Listen, I'm Dr. Kevorkian and I'm on call tonight. Don't forget you came from Cleveland, bitch. I said Sharon Dragas. I'm still in charge until I leave tomorrow, so give it to me. Well, I think confiscating my phone is a bit much. Actually, I don't. As a matter of fact, you need to be in a dark room. What? So you're putting me to bed? Yes. No, you know what? No. I've been trying to keep my cool, but this is crazy. So now you're calling me crazy? I didn't say that you are crazy. I'm saying this is crazy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Love a Lifetime Movie. I am Megan Gailey, joined by my hostess with the mostest, Naomi Ekparrigan. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Megan. I want you to know that my nemesis, uh, my frenemy, I wish him the worst, Brian Safi, told yeah. me to tell you hello. <gasps> Hi, Brian. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I said, okay, Brian. Fine, I'll tell her. I see what he's trying to do, weasel his way in here. I know. That's a, that, I mean, that's a smart way because you know I'll flip in an instant. I've got loyalty to no one. I know. You can be bought. CJ, psh, you're right. <laughs> I was thinking of you and our listeners because I ended up having a sort of lifetime-esque situation yesterday. Okay, tell me everything. So I went to the dentist for the first time in, I believe, four years. Wow, 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 wow. What was the verdict? It may have even been five years because it's like, you know, I I was behind and then the pandemic and I was right, like, well, I'm not going to go now. And, you know, right, that was right. like, I think the dentist was the first thing that everyone goes, well, we'll never go again because <laughs> A, it's hard and B, I'm not having my mouth open for 75 minutes. Exactly. So I found a lady and, and so I go to, like, she was... <laughs> So like the office was calling me, the scheduling, you know, the the reminders, all of that stuff. And then I and then I get to the office, which is not a house, but it's a, one of those buildings that looks like a house. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like an office building mm-hmm. looks like a house. Yeah. And I I get into the office and it's just me and her. What? There is no receptionist. There is no hygienist. The okay, dentist what? is doing she's doing it all. This is not a dentist. She ain't a real dentist. Uh-uh. No, but see, I think she's so real. That she's a real dentist. No, 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 no. Let me give you the backstory. Yes, this is an older immigrant woman, moved, mm-hmm. was originally from Palestine, and then went to medical dental school in God, the UK, and then came to Connecticut. I got the whole story. Right, and then she did. said, I can't do Connecticut. I'm going to California. And... <laughs> I mean, she was getting in there in my life, too. Like, I was, you know, I showed her Conrad. And then I'm like, he has two little teeth now. So she gave me a toothbrush for him. (laughs) And then she goes, and I hope you're making his food homemade. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And so then I just sort of was like, made sure to keep, we did talk about education and how this country has really let it go. But there were moments where I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, I am laying in this chair, and it's just me and her. Mm-hmm. No one mm-hmm. else. And I think she's just old school. I think she's just like, listen, I do it all. 
I don't need a receptionist because then a man came in to get a cleaning after me and, you know, she poked her head out and said, be with you in one second. Okay, no, no, no. This means she must have four clients a day, okay? Because when you're a dentist, honey, you're drilling, you're filling, you're billing, okay? And you're telling me she doesn't have anybody else up in there to Not clean? a hygienist in exactly. sight. Who is, who is answering the phones and making her scheduling? Her. Exactly. Who is then billing the patients and following up with insurance? Her. And then she still got time to be in everybody's mouth. Something yes. up, something up. There are only so many hours in the day, sis. There's no way. She probably has, she sees two people a day. Her okay. client list is 12, max. And And I'm happy to be a part of it because, you know, she goes, she said, let's get you in here again before the end of the year so you can get your second free cleaning. So I'm going back <laughs> in December. <laughs> I'm going to the dentist every two months now. Wow. <laughs> wow. She got you. I know. She got you. Do you want to give us her full government name? Should we be plugging no. her on the pot? No. Okay. No. She doesn't actually, she doesn't need to be overwhelmed in that way, actually. We don't even need people flooding her doors because she can't handle it. And even CJ, he was like, should I go to her? I go, well, you know, she is like a stern, older woman who immigrated to this country and cj goes i already got one of those exactly exactly i don't need that i don't need that within my mouth i don't need that in my mouth and i'm a good flosser and so yeah. she and when i mean her being like i can tell you're a good flosser it meant the world to me right 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 right. but yeah she could have killed me she could have killed me for sure and vice versa well sure sure she could definitely be robbed i mean it's a house and now here's the question though you walked in there is this set up like an office or is this set up like a house with a chair in the bathroom? Where are you going for your teeth? It's set up like an office and... A dental office? Yes, just, and she okay. and she is sitting at the receptionist desk. She was sitting there checking me in. I, I hate it. L.A. so much. I, I hate L.A. It. I cannot stand the See, lack no, of I... professionalism across the board in all businesses here. See, to me, this actually felt very Indiana. It felt mom and pop. You know, like, it's like, I'm not going to the big box store for my dentist. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to a lady's living room. And she's telling me every place she's ever lived in her life. <laughs> I know, I know where she wants to retire. Which, with all this chit chat, who cleaning the tools between each session? You see, that's what I'm talking about. Who got time to go put that under the UV ray? Because I ain't, unless I'm the first of the day, I ain't having her putting nothing in my mouth. None of the tools. I, I think I was the first of the day. Well, you have to be. You'd have to be for your own safety. And she got, she did my x-rays. I mean, I'm in there. And then I go, I'm thinking about doing Invisalign. She goes, you don't need it. I said, yes, this is who I like. <laughs> this is who I like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? The the disagreement we have here, I think, will really does carry over into the movie today. Because I have very strong feelings in today's film. And I, and I think yeah. I may be alone in them. And that's fine. I but I am just going to tell you guys, today's movie is Psycho Mother-in-Law, also known as Mad Mom. Oh, I think you're going to say also known as Mother-in-Law. Oh. <laughs> the psychos imply, because like Mother's-in-Law is sort of like, if it's like the hack version of like, you know who stinks? <laughs> it's it's a Mad Libs for like, little kooky. Well, uh, I think kooky's an understatement with this gal. In case you haven't seen it, here's the breakdown. Amber Vickers is ecstatic that she'll finally be making the walk down the aisle. Her soon-to-be mother-in-law, Jill, believes Amber is the picture-perfect daughter she never had. Everything's coming up roses, Henny, until Sharon, Amber's mother, arrives. Sharon is the complete opposite of Jill, and she'll go to great lengths to prove that no one comes between her and her daughter. Look, let's just get into it. Let's okay, just get into okay, it because yeah. I have thoughts, I have thoughts, I have thoughts. I do too. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, first of all, I see on the screen just the name Romy Rosemont. I'm in. Okay, yeah. Romy's an icon. Romy books. She's married to Stephen Root. We love Romy Rosemont. And you know what? This is a huge get for lifetime. I said Mm -hmm. star power. Thank you. I think the casting up and down for this film is incredible. The woman who plays Jill is such perfect casting. I want to carry match it. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. oh, she, she does. She has that. She can do that rich lady quality with her voice. Sharon, Sharon. (laughs) It's, It's like breathy, vaguely continental accent that she's. Made up. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole vibe. Now, Romy does play Sharon Vickers, okay? And Sharon Vickers, Sharon Vickers lives in Cleveland, Ohio, and she is a hospice nurse, okay? That's how we start. Sharon, Sharon, she starts her day, honey, in her tiny little house. She leaves a message for her daughter, Amber, who she keeps getting Amber's machine, which I'm already like, bad daughter. And then we see her go to work. She's bringing cookies for her coworkers. You know, yes. she does it. And she's she's in her cute nurse scrubs. And she's got the John and Kate plus eight haircut. Yes, yes, yes. Which is like, you know, she had longer hair. And then at some point was like, it's just time for me to have a more sensible cut. I can't keep putting in all this work. No, and she's working with patients. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when I when I see this opening, I absolutely love it. It feels really real to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ohio elder care facility. Yes, down to the tin yep. that she was carrying the cookies in. I go, that is what Sharon would carry the cookies in. I know, I know. And so, Naomi, I worked at a retirement community. I know. And my mother, Peggy, was a hospice nurse. Okay, so you're seeing yourself. You're seeing the generations of gaily women in this opening. I also felt like even just the way it was shot, like the kind of like the lighting of it, the dim, little dingy lighting. I was like, yes, this is a facility. Okay. And the music, and, and this is the trend with this whole film. The music in this opening, it's like yeah. spooky Elvis. <laughs> I i found the accessories, the finishing touches on this film to be top notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And attention to detail and attention to detail. This is also a movie with few locations, y'all. Okay. So if you're going to have these few locations, you got to make them snap, crackle, pop. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I'm watching this and I said, I know Sharon. Sharon is real. Sharon is just out here trying to help the world. She a lonely lady. At least that's how I feel for two whole minutes. Because right after I'm on Sharon's side, we see her walk into a woman's room. She just looks at the woman for a moment, injects something into the woman's IV, and kills the woman. Now, what? (laughs) I mean, we're at minute three. We're at minute three, y'all. And the thing is, the woman's in hospice. Exactly. She's not long for this world. Exactly. And, And moments before that, we had seen Sharon lovingly brushing an older woman's hair. Right. She was like washing her hair. It honestly, as I was watching this, I go, I gotta, I gotta leave Hollywood. I gotta go back with my people. You gotta go and take care of some elders in Indiana. I want to go brush some hair. I want to paint some nails. (laughs) I want to help a lady get gussied up before her grandson comes. (laughs) 
Oh, but I do not. I do not want to lethal injection somebody. Well, exactly because here's the thing about it. Not only does she do this and it's spooky, but when she puts the thing, the woman is like sleeping or lying Peaceful. peacefully. And then when she injects it and kind of hits the woman's system, you see her like wake up with exactly gasp and wake up with oh. a start. <gasps> And then Sharon like covers her mouth and is like shush 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 shush, and it's just like, okay, if 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 the woman had just kind of again, I obviously we need as viewers to know that what she's done, so she's got to kind of telegraph it. But it was like Sharon, I think you made it much worse. It seems like she went out more painfully than if you had just like given her a bunch of morphine. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's I'm like give her some morphine. I know, I know I they know. use fentanyl in hospice. Yeah, it's like crank some fentanyl in there. What did you give her? Did you go down to the local? Mom and pop prison. I was very upset. And then she does sort of like a walk and talk with another nurse, which I loved her too. I wanted actually more of the other nurse. She seemed fun. Well, what you wanted was for the whole movie to be set in the hospice. Facility. Yes, that's actually. If what the I whole did movie want. was in hospice, it really ratchets <laughs> up the stakes for everything. Mm-hmm. But she's like, yeah, she just. She didn't have any family. And so I was like waiting for them to be like, oh, Sharon, we found her will and it was all to you. I'm like, why did she kill this woman? <laughs> exactly. And we exactly. don't ever find out. I think what happened is this scene was not like in the original script. And then they needed to be like, listen, we have to see that Sharon's. It's a lifetime movie. No, someone has to die in the first two minutes or else we don't know. It's lifetime. And we need to see Sharon's crazy before she goes crazy. So we need her to kill an innocent old woman who's on death's door. What? Yeah, I was like, what? That, and this is what I felt like. I felt like stylistically this movie had it. I felt like dialogistically it did not because I was missing a lot of information that I think would have brought some of the choices together a bit more. Who is Sharon? Who is she? Who is Sharon now? Why? Right, you know? And again, this is a testament to Romy Rosemont. She makes mm-hmm. it feel lived in. I said, Romy, you've got the goods. Now, anyway, that night Sharon gets home. Her daughter Amber leaves her a voicemail saying she's engaged. She's like, hey, mom. It's me. Sorry I missed your calls earlier. So, I have some news. I'm getting married! Luke took me to Martha's Vineyard for the weekend and proposed. We haven't set a date, but we're leaning towards the end of the summer. So, as soon as you can get days off, you should come to Boston to help us plan. Luke's mom offered for you to stay with her, so no excuses. Anyway, call me back. Love you. Bye! And based on the music, again, the what Spooky Elvis, as Megan calls it, you know Sharon is not into this. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I think it's wild to leave that in a voicemail. I agree. In this movie, this is not a TBT. This is modern day. Yeah. We've got FaceTime. We've yeah. got, hey, yeah. mom, call me right now. Yep. Sharon is a, it, it has her phone. You know, she's got to be taking vitals using her phone. I know. I mean, it is a flip. It is a flip phone, though. Did you notice that? Like, Sharon's it, yes, got a flip. Yes, I did notice that. And I was like, okay, Cleveland, that don't treat it like that. You can't leave this on a voicemail. I know. That's what I mean. I'm like, this is already to be the first sign that I'm like, okay, Amber, I don't know if I like you. I feel like I'm no. feeling guilt. You know what I'm saying? I'm on Sharon's side. Can I interject something else too that tracks what kind of person I am? I assumed when I heard psycho mother-in-law, I assumed that the mother-in-law was to the daughter-in-law. I assumed she would have a son. The I psycho even- was the mother yes. of a son. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, no, you've watched a lot of Lifetime movies. I get it. No, you've watched a lot of Lifetime movies. That seems right. Oh, I felt so bad. I have a very good relationship with my mother-in-law. So much so, I'm actually wearing a hand-me-down outfit from her, which I thought would be fun for this. And then I realized I wore it two podcasts ago. (laughs) 
I just wore it. So I guess I just don't really have a lot of clothes I like right now. But my mother-in-law loves me, loves me so much. She put sunscreen on me. Oh, She says, we got to keep this white girl with us. She's just like, Megan can't die because where's CJ, where's CJ going to find another Megan? You know, and it's like, there's Megans all over the world. But wait, <laughs> didn't you tell me, though, that like, you're, you're, you know, your mother-in-law, she's very much like, you're beautiful. You're perfect. Yeah. 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 She thinks I'm very pretty, loves to touch my hair. Oh, my God. Is this why you chose a brown husband so that no. like you could just have someone who was like, you're gorgeous. You're stunning. No. I was like, she may be like walk on out of my house with your white skin. <laughs> no, I was afraid because I thought maybe she wanted a Filipino daughter, you know, daughter-in-law. She has a Filipino daughter, but <laughs> another one. You know, she wanted to complete the collection. She saw me do stand-up for the first time. Her and her and her boyfriend came to see me when I was in Vegas performing. Okay, first of all, we're obsessed with her boyfriend because mm-hmm. uh, at <laughs> Megan's baby shower, he sat on a couch the whole time wearing an FBI flak jacket and he's not in the FBI. Not in the FBI. <laughs> that was a prop from a shoot that was at CJ's work. And he was like, I'm cold. He's like, I'm cold. Yes. And CJ was like, you can wear the FBI jacket. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. He was he was just like, I'm here. Like <laughs> we don't need to get too in the weeds on on your relationship, but I'm assuming you and Andy's mom get along as well. Oh yeah, we're fine. She's like, you know, it's there's like not really much there. She's kind of a no nonsense. Not particularly warm, but not mean, if that makes sense. She just feels yeah. very matter-of-fact to me. Maybe just like a little older and tired energy, maybe. Perfect. Like, she's not, yeah, so it's like, whatever. I remember the first time we met, like, the first time I met Andy's parents, literally, you know, I'm so nervous. I'm like, Andy, did you tell them I was black? And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you what? don't know? Did you give them context clues? Did you say she showers with a washcloth i mean what do you like give them something and he's like i don't know so then the whole time i'm worried it's gonna be a guest who's coming to Zader. i was worried it's gonna be a guest who's coming to Zader. i like bought it was it was july when i was meeting them it was also megan four months into our relationship which is like it's pretty soon andy he's like you want to come out and i'm like you're on hinge but i go and it's like it's July and I'm like, and so like we were like waiting because we'd taken the bus and I was like sweating and gross. And so I was like, oh great, they're gonna meet me and I'm sweating and I'm like just so nervous about the whole thing. Megan, what I tell you, I went to the ER <gasps> at 6 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> and it was a weekend and we was into like, so I guess we're just gonna spend some time in the hospital today. And were you, did they poison you? <laughs> so that was my first. I had my first ever asthma attack. That is when we discovered I had asthma. And we think it was because like they have carpeting in their house and they had two cats. And then we think it was just like, you know, the dander and everything up in there in the carpet or whatever, just going out. And I was there. You're a city mouse. I really You're a city mouse. And you went to the country and you said, this is not for me. I couldn't do it. But it was like, but of all the things I was worried about, do you know what I mean? The whole time I'm thinking, oh God, oh God. And it's like, I never factored in having to spend the day in the ER. And then the greatest part, Andy's dad. So, you know, Andy's with me in the hospital room. And it's also like, we've only been together four months, you know? And of course we're goofing because of who we are. So like when they're asking me all these questions... You know, where it's like, are you pregnant? Have you ever been pregnant? And I was like, Andy, what if this is how you found out I was pregnant with your child? Yes. <laughs> and yes. he's like, LOL. And then his dad is calling from the waiting room and he's like, do you guys want bagels? I'm going to go get bagels. <laughs> so Please. Marty's Please, getting I mean... bagels, getting some white oh fish. He's like, he's like, I hear they're just keeping Naomi there because she has good insurance. Because when you have good insurance, they'll run all the tests. <laughs> so he's like, chill about it. And then after that whole thing, 
Andy, I remember like maybe the next day or, you know, when we left, Andy's mom sends him an email that's like, Naomi is terrific, so treat her well. And I was like, okay, I'm on the inside, despite the heinous impression I've made that I have a weak constitution. And the email is so funny. Like that does sort of imply a level of coldness. You know, like (laughs) I emailed my son after. It's like an email. (laughs) That's like saying you got engaged on a voicemail. (laughs) Oh, were the bagels good? I bet they were. I I honestly think being able to have goofs and laughs at a hospital is like the true sign of love. Yeah. And I think it's been, you know, in our relationship, we've had a couple of asthma-related ER moments when we were at San Francisco Sketchfest. We had to go yeah. to the damn hospital oh. at one in the morning. And I mean, was- Mabel has had her health struggles. Oh, yeah. We keep the laughter. You guys are regulars at the vet ER. We keep the laughter, but... Okay, well, you know what? (laughs) Let's get back to the motion picture. Sharon, uh, who I still like, even though she kills somebody for no reason. Sharon drives from Cleveland to Boston, but this is most certainly outside of Boston. This house is a museum. It is a mausoleum. It is gigantic. And as far as I can tell, just Jill lives in it. Okay? She does. Just Jill and her art. Massive. She's an art dealer. All right? And she is the mother of Luke, our groom-to-be. And Sharon gets there and she, you can kind of tell, like, because at first it's like, oh, you can stay with Jill. And then when Sharon sees it, she's like, oh, mm-hmm. I see why I could stay with her. So she, I think Sharon is put off by the wealth. Of course. She's also, I also have to say this, you because you see Amber and Luke. And then when Jill comes out, I was like, Jill and Amber look exactly alike. They do look a lot alike. Sharon and Jill are both single moms. And I think there's got to be some amount of like, oh, you know, it's like I have loved ones who have married into richer families and then the the, the leftover family me has <laughs> been like oh they're gonna be with the rich people all the time and it's like yeah they are you know like <laughs> it's like yeah vacations sometimes so you have to go yeah but we're fun you yeah. know we've got other things that we're bringing to the table <laughs> so of course there's that do do we measure up is what is going on in Sharon's mind so Jill's on a call when she gets there and they bring Sharon around to the backyard and it's like why can't she go through the front door I was so annoyed oh, is it, let okay, her walk through the front that. door mm-hmm. it was very annoying to me what is Jill the house is massive she does not need the entire house. I don't know. It just pissed me <laughs> off. But Jill, yes, makes an entrance, you know? Yes, yes. And she's, you know, she's what I call Jan energy, Palm Springs fabulosity. Willowy. Like, willow, you know, and she's art, again, she's an art dealer, right? So she's like, she's giving you billowy Eileen Fisher, but whatever the like richest version of an Eileen Fisher look is. So yeah. cool neutrals with a statement necklace, kind of like an effortless feel. Young. Also, Very young, I know. Gorgeous. Because Luke and Am- Luke looks about 30, I'll say that. And Amber looks 14. Exactly, which is why I was like, I don't really know. But like, she's, but also you notice too that uh, Sharon sees Amber's nail polish and is like, what are you wearing on your nails? And then it's the same color that Jill has on. And yeah. so it's like, okay. You, you also are going to say like, Amber and Jill are besties. Okay, they hang out all the time. And it gets worse from there. A moment that made me very upset. And at this point, Sharon is like really trying. She really is. Um, She brought a homemade gift for Jill. It's a macrame pot Pot holder. holder, Yeah. And Jill is downright rude when she opens it. And like, we have all been been given gifts that we don't understand or don't know (laughs) what it is. And it's like, 
you pretend. You're right. like, thank you. This, especially when something is homemade. I right. think that is so sweet. And it, like, if anything, it's folksy. Oh my exactly. God, something from Cleveland. <laughs> How exciting. And Jill looks at it like Sharon just put doo-doo in her hand. Completely, completely. And that's when I decided, I said, even though I just saw her kill someone, I still like Sharon more than Jill. I yep. still like Sharon more than Jill. And then, especially then when we see, you know, again, Sharon is out here. Yes, she is taking lives, but she's also helping people go in peace and washing their hair and combing well, it. Well, okay? for some people, <gasps> for some people, right? Some people, if she's just doing her job, she's doing it really well. Very gentle. And we don't know. Maybe that lady had said, I'm good to go. Well, see, this is the question. Or maybe she was mean to Sharon. Like we need again, we could have used a backstory as to why her of all the people, but especially after seeing Sharon be so tender. But you know, we basically, you know, so Sharon is single, living in her little house in Cleveland, just you know, she's around casseroles for one. Meanwhile, Jill and Amber are hanging out, they're going on trips, they have the little jokes together, and it's like Sharon's an outsider to her own daughter's life. Look what I found. Is that organic Chardonnay? We got while we were in Cape Cod. You went away together? Technically, it was a business trip, but we did manage to squeeze in a few trips to local vineyards. Did you go too, Luke? I wasn't invited. It was a girl's trip. And it feels so class-based, which is part of what I don't like about Amber. Because it's like, Amber, this woman raised you, and you acted like she ain't Right. Just so you could be with this rich lady, because you fancy yourself an artist. That's what I, that was my kind of, you know, The class of it all is, I think, what really tinged this for me, again, in a good way, Mm -hmm. like the details of it. But it was also why I was like, Amber, don't forget you came from Cleveland, bitch. Okay? You acting like you're too good for your own mama. And it made me feel so bad for Sharon. I mean, there were moments where, like, my actual heart was breaking. I know. And I also was like, if some other woman tries to be Conrad's mama, I will hospice style we fully inject her. Yes. Yes. That's your boy. You're raising him. Yeah. Okay. Especially a rich, hotter mama. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like oh, you ripped not. your vagina for that boy. Yeah. You, someone's coming in there and trying to act like they besties? Absolutely Ugh. not. And then I'll tell you this. Then, then we cut to them having dinner. And dinner is, first of all, like, it's sushi. And the whole idea is that, again, Sharon's supposed to be such a bumpkin. She can't eat with chopsticks. Ugh. Which I thought was a little too much. Again, this is prison day. So it's like, you can get some sushi in Cleveland. I stuck with chopsticks, though. But also, I'm going to say this. Did you notice it was like four sushi on the plate? It was I said, tiny. this ain't even a meal. I said, that's the rude part. Don't invite me to dinner and not have no actual food there. Okay? No, and then she was like, well, I know Cleveland's not really known for its fish. And it's like, Cleveland's on a lake. Okay? <laughs> they got a lake too, bitch. They got delicacies. Exactly. Uh, she's like, there's not the fact that she goes, there's not no shame in using a fork. That's what I mean. Jill is it's again, there are times in this movie where I don't know who the psycho is. Because it could be either of them. But the way Jill be acted. Okay? Yeah. And then as Sharon's sitting here, you know, and they're having this awkward conversation, it's like Amber's next to her mother and Luke's next to his mother. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we 12? And we find out that they've done all again for people who just got engaged. They've made a lot of decisions and they're doing a lot of planning. And it turns out they're going to have the wedding at Jill's house. And they're doing a lot of other stuff that Sharon is not into. Listen to this. So I was thinking we could visit some caterers while you're in town. Okay. Amber and I met with a few, but we weren't blown away by either of them. Well, depending upon where you're planning on having the reception, honey, it you might be required to use their caterer. Well, we, we were leaning towards having it here. At the house? Well, the backyard, yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, it actually was my idea. I think it'll work great. Do you have a church in mind for the ceremony? Actually, we were thinking about doing that here, too. You are? Yeah. We still plan on having prayer and Bible readings, just doing it outside. I think it's a great idea. I love the idea of getting married outside in nature. I mean, church weddings can be so stuffy, don't you think? No, actually, I don't. Well, what is it that they say? Church isn't so much the building as it is its people. Are you planning on using your pastor? And uh, no. Luke and I have a friend that's ordained who we've asked to perform our ceremony. What denomination is he? He doesn't really have one. He, he just did it online. It's pretty easy. You just give him your name, 25 bucks, and you're a minister. He's their friend Scott. He's really funny. A marriage is a commitment made before God, Amber. It's not a comedy show. It's not a comedy show. I said, Sharon, drag us. Oh, my God. Because when they were like, he's very funny. I it's know. like, that is what we all, that's what, like, I looked for in a Oh, did you? That's so funny. See, I think that's what, but see, the reason why I think that's funny for you is when I'm like, you and CJ are funny. I think that's what boring people do. They're like, pick someone with some, who's funny. And it's like, why don't you just be interesting? Stop. I went to a wedding and they, it was a, they were like, the person marrying us is so funny. And then, Naomi, they were. That trying to be fun. like, well, of course, it was. I wish I could have filmed it. It was, it was <laughs> like, I kept turning to people, like, but it, uh, regular person funny is truly unhinged. I know, but yeah, now listen, I don't, I didn't get married in church. You're not getting married in a church, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I understand to some extent why Amber maybe didn't fill her mom in on everything because now we're like, oh, Sharon's religious. <laughs> is the, well, yes. Is the, tint we're getting but this is the thing is like she religious which which i assume that again these are nuggets that are not ever really kind of driven home which is like okay she's religious which is maybe why amber doesn't talk to her as much but how religious can you be if you killing people in hospice so i kind of just feel like sharon gotta be a little looser than that at this point but she has an she's an angel of death basically she is someone who thinks she is doing the right thing by taking someone's life yeah she's like i'm taking your pain away that's her whole thing do luke and amber live with jill don't think so because remember they like leave to go do stuff but they hang out with jill like every day it seems like i think they may live there and and because remember when they like well i guess well they do go on like a trip but they leave from her house right right right, it's very confused i'm like well them living with her would at least make a little more sense as to how jill is so up in their life and in their business it's so crazy but also is more, like, ammo for Sharon being upset. Well, exactly. And that night, Amber tries to talk to her mom, being like, hey, I'm sorry I sprung all that stuff on you, you know, whatever. And Sharon's like, I'll be nice, but I'm not into her. And yeah. Which, again, I, again, so far, I'm here, Team Sharon. Now, I don't yes. know if it's because I have a black mother and I'm an only child, and I know, like, I'm just kind of on the side of the downtrodden parent who's, like, <laughs> struggling. But I just, it's like, my mother will not let me, like, do you know how much shit I get for not visiting more and we're in a pandemic and I have a job that like depends on whether or not I stay here. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like, and I still get mm -hmm. guilted. So I'm like, Amber, I don't know why you can't get a goddamn flight to Cleveland and visit your mama who, who just working at a hospice. Now, meanwhile, this happens, you know, Jill is like, I've, that night, Sharon watches Jill as she sleeps, and then she goes oh, yeah. to the basement where Jill's been keeping all this these lobsters for their engagement party. She's like, I bought these special lobsters for the party. She flew them in from, like, one of the places that her and Amber love going to get. Like, it's like, maybe Jill and Amber should get married. Exactly. <laughs> Are, you guys seem like lovers. You are obsessed. And so, you know what Sharon does? She cuts the power to that basement fridge, all the... 
lobster spoil. And I guess what Sharon's hoping is that she's like, okay, so no engagement party? Yeah, it's like, that's not, you know, I mean, we can pick up a Ritz and some cheese. Exactly. Like, there's food in Boston. (laughs) But I'm going to say this. We're like, no, 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 we'll have it. I'll just get some more food. Now, cut to the engagement party, and it is in Jill's art gallery. Yeah. And they have invited, quote, a lot of people in the art world because it'll be yeah. good for Amber's career. It's like a networking event. I'm like, Think, and they're all tacky. wearing black, you know, like it's Except all like for Jill, who's wearing white. I and mean, I'm like, what is we? This is now our second mother in law we've seen wearing white at a wedding based event. Insane. Wow. Insane. Insane. And Sharon's by herself. She's standing by the table. And again, okay, Sharon is awkward. She's shy. I don't even think she's awkward. I actually, when I saw her, I go, her dress is so cute. You know, it's like, you don't have one friend that's like, oh, that's Amber's mom. Let's go talk to her. I know. No one to say hi. That's what I mean. But it's like, do you have any friends there? Or is it all just random art people who know Jill? Because it really seems like between her wearing white, having it at her art gallery, and populating it with art dealers or whatever, I'm like, sounds like this is Jill's party. Like she's just having a party. You know what I (laughs) mean? Exactly. (laughs) And the only person that talks to Sharon is... Jill's partner, Evan, who is... Business partner. Business partner. The, one of the rudest gays we've ever seen. I yeah. felt like also he was the role. Like, meaning to me, I was like, he is just being himself, which yeah. is a judgy, rude gay, and it is perfection. Okay? And Evan drops the bomb that Jill and Amber have already gone wedding dress shopping. And it's a dagger to Sharon. And then Sharon brings it up because Sharon is under the assumption that Amber was going to wear her wedding dress. Now, whether Amber has ever, like, confirmed this or anything. No, it was. It had to have been something they talked about in the past, right? Like, well before she probably found the man she was going to marry. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of those things was like, I'll wear your dress. I have my dress and you can have it. And Jill goes, Sharon, I I saw a photo of it and it looks a bit dated. And Amber's such a beautiful girl. We want her to look... Her best for her wedding, don't we? Insults the woman's wedding dress. And I said, this is a murderable offense alone. Absolutely. And then they do all these like toasts at the engagement party. And at first, Amber is like, she shouts out her mom and is like very grateful. And it's like, and you can tell Sharon's like, yes, I'm being seen. But then we got to make it about Jill. Then Luke got to say something about his mama. Then Jill got to come in and talk about how Amber's the daughter she never had. And it's like, well, you just undid whatever you did for Sharon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, well, that was a nice moment for 20 seconds. And then the three of them are all standing up there like besties. So the whole thing is like, so that's the whole thing. And then, and then later back at the house, Sharon sees the macrame potholder in the trash Okay. She didn't even wait until she left. If you're going to you. throw out a Thank gift, you, you got to wait until the... And it's not even a trash with a lid. It's like a see-through, like, open, yeah, open barrel top. trash can. You know it's your present. You know exactly what's in there. This bitch. And so Sharon, I will say, here's like, Sharon pivots for a minute, okay? Basically, Jill comes in the house and Sharon is cooking. She's made a pie. She's made a pot roast. Yeah. Sharon is like... I thought I would repay your kindness. And again, you know Sharon's turning it on, but I but it's what you do when you're like kind of hate somebody, you take opposite action. Yeah, it's manipulative. It's manipulative, but it's food. Exactly. And it's also like a pleasant way, right? You're basically saying exactly. like I okay, I don't like you. How can I kind of do something that I know how to do and I can cook? Yes, and none of it is like, well, Jill, I know you don't cook. Like it's yeah. it's it felt like I thought it would be nice. I make Pot roast and pie. And like Luke is jazzed. Yes. Like that's kind of he what I it. Luke's like, yes. Yeah. He's like real food as opposed to forced sushi rolls, you know? And then, but you can tell him this. I mean, Jill is pissed. 
Yeah. If you see it, you guys, Jill, she's like drinking her white wine. A white woman with white wine. She's a Chardonnay drinker who I don't trust. And she is like, she's kind of bristling. She's looking. She's annoyed that Sharon is like doing this in a way that I felt like, nah, who the psycho? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, literally this woman is coming. You threw her gift in the trash. She's making a meal for people. I don't know, maybe because they're carbohydrates, you have a problem. And Jill doesn't like it. Jill side eyes yeah. it. Then when... Amber says to her mother, like, why don't you and I go dress shopping together? Yeah, she feels bad. She does, as she should. So they start to go. And again, and Sharon, Sharon's like, you look beautiful, but the dress, dress is expensive. Again, she, you know, Sharon's handmaking her gifts, okay? She's not going to tell you to buy, like, a $5,000 wedding dress. Which is, like, kind of a cheap wedding dress, to be honest. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, like, wedding dresses are insanely expensive. Yeah. And then add on top of it that Sharon is, oh, I don't want the listeners to revolt that I said $5,000 is a cheap wedding dress. It's obviously <laughs> not. But I'm saying like, these. I bet the dress she's trying on is 15 grand. It's wow. It's got a lot of bling and a lot of feathers and a lot of stuff right, on it. Right, right. Well, they're, supposed, they're having their mother-daughter time and everything that comes with that, which can be some tension. But then Jill pops by. And listen Mm-mm. to what happens when Jill pops by unannounced, uninvited, when Sharon and her only daughter are wedding dress shopping, something that Jill has already done with her. Listen to this. Oh, that dress is gorgeous. (laughs) What are you doing here? Oh, I had some business in the neighborhood. I thought I'd pop in and see how things are going. You don't mind, do you? Of course not. Wow. Oh my God, it looks like it was custom built for you. But it's so expensive. Yeah, um... Jill, Amber, and I were talking, and she's changed her mind. She's leaning towards wearing my dress. I'll pay for it. I can't let you do that. What's money for if you can't spend it on the people you love? That's a very generous offer, but it's way too expensive. I want you to look beautiful on your wedding day, and in this dress, you will. You do. I just think Amber should wear my dress. I mean, I I made it, and... Please, let me pay for it. Will you? Please. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes? Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, I'm just absolutely radiant. I love it. Jill is ignoring the words out of Sharon's mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Megan, I'm on Sharon's side. I am too. I'm on Sharon's side. And it's like, to some extent, Jill, you also need to just sort of recognize that you are the groom's mother. Like, I know that you love Amber so much, but her mom is here now. And you got to step back. Even if Amber is looking at you going, I wish you were here, (laughs) which I like think may be their shades of. You just have to be respectful as a mother and get the f*** out of there. Exactly. Especially to me when stuff is so short term, meaning like, this is a two-day, three-day visit. Just back up for three days. It's not about you. And then you go back to what you guys were doing. And she's making it about money. Of and course. like, you know, that's going to make her feel bad. You don't, if you're going to offer to pay for it, do it after when Sharon's not still there. Thank you. Thank you. So this is what I'm saying. So between her, Jill having a problem with Sharon cooking and then coming in and just literally being like, I will use my money to buy your allegiance to Sharon's own daughter. I said, Jill, you don't respect nobody. And quite frankly, I'm thinking you the psycho at this point. All right? So then the next day, Sharon... Time to go home. She's she going home. So again, this has been a short trip, but a lot of little daggers. A lot of little daggers. She's got more old people to kill. <laughs> She's got... She said, listen, I'm Dr. Kevorkian, and I'm on call tonight. So <laughs> mama's got to go back. 
but she's driving and it's like, you know, Amber, Luke, and Jill are waving her off. So it's very much like, this is the family now. You're not part of it, Sharon. But then she drives and then, you know, Jill goes off to work and then Sharon doubles back to the house. And she basically has this plan. She uses a crowbar to open the back door to make it look like there's a break-in. She knows the code to the alarm. So she puts that in so she can get in unnoticed. She also cuts the cord to the alarm so that there's no kind of alert that someone's in there. And then she basically her whole thing is she wants to go in there. She wants to take the wedding bands that belong to Jill's parents that also Amber and Luke decide to use. Because yet again, it's another thing where it's like, we're not doing Sharon's thing. We're doing Jill's thing. And so she's taking these things. She's kind of messing up the house. But you know, in classic lifetime fashion, how do you ratchet up the tension? <sighs> well, Jill gets to work and Evan says, where are the contracts? And Jill's <laughs> like, oh no, I got to go back home and get the contracts. <laughs> so of course, if Sharon's doing all this, Jill's on her way. Yep. Walks right in. And so then things get a little tricky because <laughs> Jill knows someone's in the house. Like it's yeah. very obvious. And is thinks it's Sharon. She's literally like, Sharon? Yes, Um, because Sharon's car is there, but she has not seen Sharon yet. And so she's upstairs. She's trying to find her contracts. There's always missing contracts. Mm -hmm. And Sharon comes up behind her without being seen and pushes her over the staircase. (gasps) And it's a big, tall glass staircase. And Jill is what I assume to be dead as a door now at the bottom because her leg is kind of folded in a funny way. Yeah. But then. Jill is alive. Honey, we see them fingers twitching. We see them fingers twitching. Just a couple of twitchy fingers. And then, and then, you know, Sharon, again, being the nurse she is, she, like, checks Jill's pulse. She knows she's alive. She's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then it's almost like a funny, like, I almost want to hear that song. <laughs> you know, as, as Sharon's running around trying to, like, fix this. Yeah. And basically what Sharon decides to do is she ties herself up. Mm-hmm. She gags herself. She ties yeah. up her hands on the ground, then kind of like loosens herself up and is like, I've got you, Jill. I've got you, Jill. Yep. And pretends that she was abducted too. Exactly. There's an intruder who took both of them on unplanned. And so that way when Jill comes to, she's like, we're both victims. Mm -hmm. So then we cut to Sharon and Jill in the hospital because now Jill has a broken leg, hence the weird fold you saw, right? And Jill is like listening as Sharon's telling the cops what happened. And even Jill's like giving a little side eye like, what? Hmm. I'm not quite, this sounds yeah. weird, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> she also has a concussion. So it's like how, you know, like, right. I think she's like, this isn't right, but like, is my brain right? Exactly. She's still out of it, right? And so Sharon, you know, you know, again, Sharon's a nurse. So she's like gone to talk to the doc. You know, they're talking shop, I guess. And she's like, they want to admit you. You got to stay here a few days. So Sharon says, which I'm like, who knows? But Jill, again, is a rich person who needs to be comfortable at all times. Is like, I don't want to stay here. And so Sharon's like, well, I could be your nurse. Get you out of here, but you could be in the care of me. And honey, I just got to play you this part because it cracked me up. Because you know, Jill was like, I do not want you taking care of me. But she don't know what to do. And she just starts stuttering and it killed me. Listen to this. I just, I, 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 I couldn't feel comfortable asking that of you. I love that, Megan. She was just like, Oof. I, I, um, I, you know why? Because Jill said, I'm about to be a, in a misery situation. I ain't trying yeah. to be in a misery situation. How do I get out of this? But she also just doesn't know what else to say because Sharon's right in her face. 
Well, and she's already said she wants to go home because I would almost probably backtrack and go, you know what? It actually is better for me to be in the hospital. But it's like the hospital does suck. I know. But you need witnesses. It'd be great for me to be in the hospital with witnesses, you know? Well, but in a Lifetime movie, if you're in a hospital, you might as well be in a damn cemetery because (laughs) anybody can walk in there and snatch bodies left and right. And put anything in your IV. I'm wondering at this point, like, what? so when Sharon pushed her over the stairs, she wanted Jill to die, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. she's just improvising all of this on the fly now. And she's doing a pretty good job because it's yeah. like now she is still going to get to mess with her, which is now the second half of the movie. Exactly. So, you know what? Why don't we take a break here so we can get into messing with Jill, my favorite thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back. And we are back at the mansion. And Sharon has convinced the doctors to let Jill come home. Jill's got that big old cast. A, I almost said a steering wheel. It's called a wheelchair. (laughs) And she also has a house that is terrible for anyone who is convalescing. I mean, it's all glass, sharp angles. It's modernist, windy stairs. Like, there's no way you're doing anything easily in this house. Yeah, because we basically learned she doesn't even have a bedroom on the main floor. And I'm like, why? Like, this is a mansion. You don't have one. She's like, I've got a pullout in the den. And it's like, oh, no, Jill. Okay, so (laughs) Jill asks if she can have a glass of wine with her painkillers, which I think is like kind of a normal request. But no. Megan, that's the whitest thing I ever heard from you. You being a white girl. You can't be having no wine with your painkillers. You can't have a glass of wine with painkillers? I think no. Especially not oh when... Oh, my God. For, okay. Especially not when you just came back. And to me, I'm like, we just don't know how you're going to react yet. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you just Sharon. got out of the hospital. And you like, can I get some fucking Shiraz and a Traz? You know what I'm saying? Like, Traz it out. Not a painkiller. Put you to bed. And, and Sharon is like, absolutely not. And Sharon's, again, she's giving us Kathy Bates vibes. Mm -hmm. She is very strict. She says, this is what we have to do. By the book to the T. Exactly. Which I was like, this is so funny. But then after that, though, it's like, she won't give her, she says, you can't have wine. And she's like, I need a drink. And so Sharon's like, I'll get you some water. And so she comes back with a glass of red wine and a glass of water. And Jill's like, oh, great. You changed your mind. And Sharon's like, no, it's for me. Even though Sharon has not had a drink at all in the movie up to this point. And it's not even red wine. It's juice that she got out of the refrigerator and she's just trying to mess with her. Wait, really? Yes, Naomi. It's juice. She poured fruit punch in there into a wine glass. Oh my God. That is hysterical. I I said, Sharon, you already broke a damn leg. You don't need to tease her. And I didn't even pick up. I don't I even missed the fact that it was fake. Yep. 
Oh my Ugh. god, that's so funny. Okay, so then Jill's gonna sleep in the in the downstairs office that has a pullout, but it's like a pullout love seat. And Sharon will not give her more. Like she's following the hours of the painkillers. Like it Jill will be like, I'm due for a pill in 20 minutes. Can I just have it now? And she's like, Nope. <laughs> I know. And she takes the wheelchair out of the room. And Jill's like, where are you taking that? And she's like, well, so I don't bump into it in the middle of the night. And I think at that moment, Jill's like, eh, right, 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 right. <laughs> and Amber calls Jill to check in, just being like, you know, hey, we made it. And Jill, you know, sees Sharon and like quickly gets off the phone. But because, of course, Jill is has the phone on speaker, <laughs> Sharon knows it's her own daughter. And this goes back. Amber, you didn't call your mother, who, as far as you knew, drove from Boston to Cleveland, and you didn't call her to be like, hey, how was your eight-hour drive? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, these are the things Amber is doing where I'm like, and there's never kind of an explanation on her end of like, we never learned. It's like, when did they stop talking? Why did they have this falling out? What is their problem? Like, I could have used a little more explanation again. Maybe that's just as a child I was raised as. But I'm a very big, like, call me when you get home. It's like, you and I go get some drinks, and I'm like, call me when you get there. You know what I mean? Like, let alone, like, your mom driving alone. You don't even, like, check in, but you're checking in with Jill's rich ass. <laughs> no, and Sharon hears it, and it and it it's salt in the wound. And Jill knows that, because she's like, <laughs> and then Sharon's like, you're not going to take me from her. Like, they do kind of have some tension. Yeah, but she also says, Sharon's like, I don't mind sharing her, but you're not going to take her, which I was like, Fair. In terms of that, but like Jill, yeah. again, Jill doesn't seem to get it or we don't have this conversation. And so at all night when Jill is like screaming in pain because, you know, Sharon, she needs more painkillers and Sharon's in bed and Sharon will not come to her. Sharon said, I'm gonna let her cry it out. She's doing sleep training with Jill. <laughs> She's sleep training and it's almost like a sound machine to her. You know, like some people are listening to Bullfrog. Some people are listening to the ocean. She's listening to the sweet cries of a woman yes. she hates. And she's like, yep, yep this is it yep. for me. And so then the next day, you know, Jill's business partner, Evan, you know, the the rude gay man who is so judgy and painful. Oh, yeah, because part of why I'm calling him rude, because I don't know him. if I've established yet. When he met Sharon at the engagement party, yeah, he's talking tough. to her like, is there gluten in this cracker? Does it contain gluten? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry. He goes, I thought you were one of the helpers. Based on how you're dressed. I was like, she's literally in a mom's sundress she from Coles. Darling. What are you talking about? She looks darling. So that's why, I, that's why I call him bitchy. And I'm like, okay, he's like so rude and judgy. And if you ask someone, is there gluten in this? And they're like, I don't know. You don't have to follow it up with, oh, I thought you, you know, we've all like thought someone worked at a I store know. before. You know, when yeah. someone's like looked at you and, and you've been like, do you have this in a... <laughs> And, you know, I was about to say my pants size and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Do you have this in a 75? And then they're like, oh, I don't work. Like, it's like, oh, my God, foot in mouth. You don't have to then be like, I thought you worked here because you were dressed. Right, like, exactly. just, yeah, it's like, don't justify the insanity. Exactly. Put your tail between your leg and walk away. Exactly. So then the next morning when Evan calls and is like, hey, I'm coming over, Sharon takes the phone from Jill and is like, no, you're not. She needs to rest. And yes, I do think Sharon's being extra, but also... I never want Evan to have anything. So I was like, sure. And this is when we're really kind of rationing up our lady on lady misery vibes. And that morning, Sharon's like, okay, I'm going to go run some errands. And oh boy, she's, she's like, okay, I'll set up the TV. She, and she does this so subtly. She takes Jill's phone and computer, moves it out of reach to like an ottoman across the living room. She takes the TV remote 
turns it on to what seems to be, I don't know, a children's commercial that lasts for 90 minutes. And yes, it, it's, it's like the infomercial channel. And it's on, like, so loud. It transforms regular drawings into magical works of art. Magic pen! And she then moves the remote out of her way. So that, you know, broken-legged Jill can't do nothing about nothing. Now, here is what did bother me is that she is a nurse and she is doing all the nurse stuff to a T. Like, that's her rationale. You are not supposed to be watching loud television when you have a concussion. Mm. And we all know that. Mm -hmm. There was an instance, there was a football player who got very hurt this past week and then had back-to-back concussions. Very, very bad. And then his coach was like, he flew home on the plane with me. And I'm like, why is he flying? And he sat right next to me and we watched MacGruber (laughs) and he was laughing. So he's good. And everyone was I was like, no, that means he's not good. <laughs> and also, why is he watching MacGruber on a plane? What is wrong with you? And this, I was like, Sharon, you're, you are messing with her concussion, and she is your patient. Right. Okay. 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 Fair. Fair. But the, I think the whole point for Sharon, it was about driving Jill crazy. Because basically, she's like, I'm going to go run some errands. And then Sharon just goes in a car. You see her reading a book for a bit. So she's just taking her time. And when she finally does come back with actual groceries. So, like, she didn't do stuff, but she made sure to take her time. So much time that Jill wet herself. Oh, She was sitting in her own filth. Because, of course, she couldn't get herself to the bathroom. And Sharon was gone for hours. And I was like, damn, that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. and, and, And Jill is upset. And you can tell... With each thing, it's like she's losing her patience big time. And it's like. Oh, Jill. oh yeah, totally. And I, I at this moment, I did feel bad for Jill. You know, though, again, because I don't like Jill and because she is so stuck up. And I just thought yeah. to myself, you know, yeah, she's just sitting in her own filth. I think that should yeah. that would humble her. And to me, that could have been wow. the end of it. Just enough to humble her. Maybe once you sit in your own filth for a minute, you'll realize my shit stink like everybody else. Maybe I should have thrown the macrame in the trash. Jill's like, and the couch is really ugly and weird. So I'm like, maybe this is a good reason to get rid of this like color blocked couch. (laughs) So Jill is like determined to get up on her feet because the sooner that she can get better, the sooner she can get Sharon out of there. So she's like, listen, I want to start practicing on my crutches. And Sharon's like, okay, we'll do it after breakfast. But instead of, you know, just given a regular breakfast, she cracks open two Oxycontins, dumps them in her orange juice, swishes it around. And I said, that's a Nanabobo special. That's what my grandma used to do. Ooh, she used to take her Oxycontin, smash it up, and pour Diet Coke over it. And I said, Bobo, give me a little over here. Pass that all now my way. Oh, my um, And God. she would do more than two. And so what, by the time that Jill is practicing on her crutches, she's like, Ooh. wait, 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 but not but remember Megan. She puts two in OJ and then gives her the two pills as though it was her regular, right? So now she on four. She on four oxy, honey. She's at a comedy festival. <laughs> and so when she gets up to do her crutches, she's like, woo, I'm lightheaded. And it's like, you're flying high. You don't need those crutches, girl. <laughs> Run into the retainer pond. You're a dove. Fly free. <laughs> but of course, Sharon uses that and it's like, see, see, you're woozy. You got to rest. Stop with the crutches. But at least she got her, at least she finally got her pain met. <laughs> now, after this, Evan comes over. Remember work, Evan? Oof. And he has such an attitude. He literally, she literally, Sharon, you know, again, Sharon's being a real precise stickler. Like she is being real controlling. So definitely Jill and Evan share looks like, what is up with this woman? But then Sharon's like, okay, fine, go work. You want me to give you, get you anything to drink? 
And then Evan... Because she can't walk. Exactly. To Jill. She's like, you want anything? And she's like, nope. And then Evan's like, um, actually, I'll take a coffee, cream, two sugars. Evan, nope. you ain't in a damn restaurant, okay? No. And you have two working legs. So if you want some coffee in your work bestie's house, why don't you go right to the kitchen and make yourself some? So that was, again, he does that. Like, that's him being rude. That's another little move he pulls. So you know what? After that, when Sharon <laughs> go to her, the trunk of her car and pull out some damn antifreeze, I said, stir it up in there. Stir it up in there, Sharon. Yep. So she gives him a coffee with cream, two sugars, and some antifreeze. <laughs> and and it's not a it's not a lot. It's probably like a tablespoon worth no. of And my questions are, can you taste that? I think antifreeze you would taste. And... Is that going to kill him? Well, nope. This is the thing, right? Because the whole thing is basically Evan saying, oh, I'll come check on you later. She just wants him sick enough to stay away. And if you notice mm. when he drinks the coffee, he goes, is this just two sugars? Because antifreeze tastes sweet. That's the thing about it. And Does it's like it? part of How why it's know? used. Honey, I watch a lot of these murder shows. I know. It tastes sweet? Yes. So that's the thing. And that's why it's so dangerous. And it's always like, keep it away from children. Because you know, it's also like bright green. Like it, a kid might think it's Kool-Aid or something. Yeah. It could go in those, you know, when you go to like, comedy clubs or like funny places and they got those blue yep. drinks. Yeah. That could just be full and a freeze. Absolutely. Honestly, let's add that to our screenplay for our comedy club murder movie. Antifreeze cocktail. Exactly. So then, you know, Evan leaves after they have this, you know, whatever. It's, it is funny because literally Evan's like, I need you to sign some contracts. And Sharon's like, don't text her mind. And it's like, Sharon, you got to come up with a better reason she than that. sign the contract. Like, she knows her signature. What has happened, though, through this, right? Sharon has put baby monitors throughout the house so that mm -hmm. she's like, this way we can communicate. That way you can, you know, yell for me to get you something. But what that also does is enable Sharon to hear everything happening, including mm -hmm. when Evan and Jill are talking trash. Okay? Yeah. So that's why it's like, you know, not only did Evan send her off to get coffee like she worked for him, he didn't start talking about how she's so weird and a mess. And it's like, that's why you get the antifreeze. That's why you get it. Okay. I would also like to point out that this movie that's called Psycho Mother-in-Law has more baby monitors than the film we watched called The Baby Monitor Murder. Absolutely. Absolutely. That had one baby monitor. This has upwards of six. And also these baby monitors are really used to lead to murder. They are. You know, <laughs> I mean, true. They're really that much more, true. they're utilized in a nefarious fashion. Okay, so Jill's kind of, you know, she's got those four Oxycontin they've worn off. <laughs> and so Sharon offers to give her a neck massage and Jill's like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. And as she's doing it, she starts telling Jill about how her husband died and he had cancer and he died just six weeks after Amber was born. Very sad. But the way Sharon is describing it you know, she says he died in her arms. And as she's telling the story, she's kind of choking <laughs> Jill. Yeah. Like, Jill's like, it, like, it feels like she's about to kill her. It also seems as though Sharon killed her husband. Absolutely. Absolutely. She really does give you the sense. Um, just listen to this clip. When my husband was sick, this always made him feel better. He had cancer, right? He did. He was diagnosed when we were engaged. He wanted to postpone the wedding, but I wouldn't let him. Besides, the day Amber was born, my wedding day was the happiest day of my life. Amber was six weeks old when he died. Hmm. It must have been hard to lose him when you did. It was. But it really was a blessing. He suffered for way too long. And nothing any of the doctors did could help with his pain. I used to pray to God every night to just give him some relief and then one night god answered me it's like it came through my hands oh, what did 
Mercy. I'm not sure that I'm following you. He died in my arms. It's the reason why I became a nurse. It's like it was my calling. <laughs> and now in his honor, I do whatever it takes to help my patients. Yeah, she did it. Yeah, she did it. She's like, it's like yeah. it came through me. It's like, okay, yeah, you did it. Absolutely. And again, he had cancer. Right. He's gonna die. Like, it's like she has this fixation on killing people that are already gonna be dead. But this is part of the angel of death and why she feels like it's justified because she's seeing it as I'm taking their pain away. She was like, he was in so much pain. I took his pain away. And that's the whole thing. It's like, okay. So then you kind of wonder, remember when you were like, oh, did she try, Does she want to kill Jill? It's like, she did want to kill Jill. But when she couldn't, I think what she wanted was for Jill to get to a point where she was in so much pain that she could like justify killing her, I think. Mm-hmm. But then of course, nothing goes as planned. Because again, Sharon's not a trained killer. And you get the sense that she, she kills in controlled, isolated environments, right? Like she's killing, like Amber's dad was like in her home. The woman we saw earlier was at the hospital where she works. Like, mm-hmm. she's not just out here willy-nilly just killing folks. So she no. don't know how to do it. No. So she don't know. So she, like, pushed somebody and it's like, that didn't work. And it's like, honey, that was, like, half a flight. She's going with it. She's going with it now. She's like, well, now I live in this mansion. I know. So later, Sharon is washing Jill's hair. Like, th- this is, it is kind of funny because, like, since my mom is a nurse, like, this is how nurses are, though. You know, like. When when I was really sick when I was pregnant, it was like, uh, mama, you know, like I couldn't do it. So it's like my mom was like, would sit when I was like taking a shower to make sure I didn't fall over. Like nurses, they do go above and beyond. Yeah, yeah. So she's washing Jill's hair, but she's hurting her. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then she's like rubbing it really hard. And Jill's like, my legs are broken, not my arms. But it's also that, you know, part of why she starts roughing Jill up during the hair washing is because Jill is starting to put some things together. And she's talking out loud, realizing the elements of Sharon's story don't make sense. Like, if Sharon was tied up, how does Sharon know that Jill was pushed over the ledge of the stairs and not just, and didn't just fall or something? You know what I mean? And didn't just get startled and fall over. And so she's like, what is going on? And then right before that, the detective that they had talked to in the hospital, he comes by to have Sharon review some mug shots. And he's also like, yeah, so the alarm was disabled after the code had been punched in. So whoever came in here knew the code. And then Sharon's like, um, did Luke give it to someone? Did one of your clients have it? She just starts listing every person she's ever possibly heard of who could have a code, mm-hmm. right? So she's scrambling. Mm-hmm. And now Jill's starting to put it together. So that night, after Jill's putting some stuff together, Evan calls and is like, I'm sick. I've been sick since I like left your house, basically. He has food poisoning, he says. Exactly. He's like, Because <laughs> he had that antifreeze coffee. And so, and then Jill, like, kind of just as that happens, Jill realizes it was Sharon who pushed her. Yep. And so when she makes that realization, Sharon, like, is like, I so wish you hadn't just said that. And she basically, she's in her wheelchair. Sharon tosses her out of the wheelchair onto the floor oh of the room in the den. And then just locks the door and leaves her there. Oh, boy. And I honestly thought Jill was pretty calm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Jill is like, then we see kind of a montage of Jill just trying to get comfortable in the den. Like, she's like, well, I'm in here. You know, so it's like, 
I, I'll try and put my pillow up here. I'll try and put my pillow down there. You know, she's like flipping through magazines. Like she's like, well, I'm in my den. <laughs> but then she's looking for a way to, she's like, how can I get out of here? What can I do? And she sees like across the way, because you know, these giant homes, it's like she sees a guy mowing a the lawn and she's like trying to open the window. But you also he see- has headphones on. Thank you. You see the guy is not only mowing a lawn, but he's got the headphones on because the lawnmower is so loud. And this is not your guy. This is not your guy, Jill. And so Sharon, like, <laughs> runs in and finds Jill trying to do this. And then Sharon's like, all right, well, I got to take it to the next step. You know what I mean? And basically, yeah. she is pulling Jill up the stairs. and the pl- On her broken ass leg. I know. And the plan is to make it look like Jill fell down the stairs. So that, because, you know, Jill's so eager to get on her feet, she doesn't listen and she, she tries to go walk and she falls. And she basically says to yes. Jill, this is what we can do. And this gets a little interrupted with the cop, the detective coming back. And so ding dong. And so Sharon runs down. And she's like, can we talk outside? Jill's taking a little nap right now. And the detective's like. Track down the guy you ID'd? Uh-huh. He was locked up in a Suffolk County jail for the past three days. So there's no way it could be him? No. And you get the sense that the detective is like, Mm, something's up with this lady, but he does not follow that hunch well, in any way. Down. Like absolutely, yeah. He just walks across and like looks back at the house and goes, hm, "All right, job here's done." <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> As a woman is being tied up and gonna be like uh, staged her own death. Exactly, exactly. So he leaves, and again, and, and it's funny because I do think one of the things that Lifetime will do well, and this happens in Psycho Granny and stuff. You do see because, you know, that you know, like women after a certain age, people say this, like, can feel invisible and, like, are invisible mm-hmm. in society. And so what happens is, like, if you're a woman over 50, people just assume you couldn't be doing anything. So it allows you to get mm-hmm. away with stuff. Like, Psycho Granny was killing all over the Pacific Northwest. And, like, nobody put it yeah. together. And, like, Sharon's out here with scratches on a neck from where Jill is trying to break free. And she's like, it was a cat. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot. <laughs> I thought she was going to say, I cut myself shaving. I like wanted that so badly because that's like what men always yeah. say in these movies. And I was like, please, like, let, because this, this movie does have like a few little like wings. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. I was like, please let her say she cut herself shaving. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't. She didn't. You're right. She said a cat. So Sharon starts to go into kind of her Home Alone-esque planning. <laughs> like she's, you know, she's got to set the stage and she tells Jill, like, she's like, I'm killing you tomorrow, Right, right. Like, it's happening. And so she has to start putting this in motion. Sharon calls Amber, who has yet to touch base with Sharon since she left. Yep, yep. And drove home. And Sharon's like, listen, I'm actually still in Boston. Jill had a fall and broke her leg. And this is the first Amber and Luke are hearing of any of this. <laughs> Which and, is crazy and sh- to me. I know. And Sharon is able to plant a seed. She's like, listen, I don't know Jill very well, but she seems off. And she's been taking too much medication and the drinking. And 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 she's like, would it be any trouble for you guys to come home a little bit early? And so Amber and Luke are going to rush home and they're going to be there tomorrow morning. Morning. Right. And so this is the perfect plan. You establish that Jill is not well. She's taking too much. And by asking Amber and Luke, you basically now have people who can find her body. And because Sharon has asked them to come, it automatically makes it less likely that she would have been the one to do anything because who asked someone to come watch a murder, right? So she's got a whole plan. So it's like solidifying the whole accident story that Sharon is going to tell. So just after that, Evan comes over again. This is the next day. All right. This is all about to happen. So Evan's back. His antifreeze stomach aches over. His diarrhea is gone. Exactly. <laughs> and 
he's trying to go see Jill. And, you know, Sharon's like, stop it, I'm in charge. And y'all, Evan pushes Sharon to the ground with a speed yep. that I have never seen, a speed and ferocity. He was just like, nope, not today. Out of my way. He just, <laughs> he threw her ass across the floor. I said, damn, Evan. Evan is not the one to be played with. But you know what happens? Evan gets played because he goes upstairs. He finds Jill in the closet tied up and Sharon comes right up behind his ass and slits his throat. And I didn't even know that that's what she did because there is not a drop of blood anywhere. Well, you know what? She's neat. She's tidy. (laughs) Then she drags his body downstairs and like this is like a pristine house. No blood, still. Nope. And I'm like, where is the blood? <laughs> um, so she brings Evan's dead body into the garage and she is wrapping him up in some sort of tarp. I hope it's some sort of art tarp. <laughs> and while this is happening, Jill is trying to get herself untied in the upstairs. Yeah. And then she goes down the staircase with this broken leg and is like on her butt she's butt scooting you guys can you imagine the pain to the leg on a glass staircase this isn't carpeted I mean, ex- glass exactly and like and also it's like the in each step is like kind of far apart yeah. in the way those like modernist glass staircases are so i was like oh god this is terrible <laughs> even if her leg wasn't broken just having to scoot would be terrible oh boy this is brutal this is a brutal fight so this is yeah the whole net you know the whole next day de- this is the next morning so like this has all happened when Sharon's plan was supposed to be put in motion. And Sharon, like, catches Jill, and she, like, stops her, and she starts choking her. And then Jill, I guess she said she'd already scooted down these damn stairs, and she'd been denying me my oxy. So uh... Jill has the strength. She kicks up her broken leg, <gasps> and she kicks Sharon in the face, you know, with the cast, which, you know, is hard as a rock. And then... You know, when Sharon, so again, Jill's on the floor, right? She can only do so much, but then she takes Sharon's face oh my and she God. bashes Sharon's face into her cast over and over and over. I thought she was going to die. Me too, because literally Sharon is bloody in the face on the ground moments before Amber and Luke walk in Ugh. as planned. Amber and Luke, remember? Because Sharon yep. had called them the day before saying, can you come? And she comes in to find Sharon bloodied. The blood on Jill's cast and Jill sitting on the floor. Ooh. Honey. Intense. Intense. And Evan in the garage, which they will have to, you know, find at some right. point. Right, right, right. They got to find him. <clears throat> so we do our cut to Sharon is not dead. She is in prison. She's in her little prison sweatsuit shuffling along. She is being escorted into a visitation room. And who is in there? Jill. Now, I thought it was going to be Amber, maybe Luke, but no, it is Jill. And Jill says, Amber's never going to see you again. She asked me to bring you this. And Sharon picks it up. It's a photograph. And Luke and Amber are with a Vegas Elvis. And they have eloped. And there wasn't even a wedding. And Sharon goes, they eloped. And Jill kind of looks back at her. And then it just leaves. Which was funny. It was a funny (laughs) beat. It was a funny beat. And that was the end of our motion picture. This was, that was it. That was it. And Megan, Megan, through it all, I still am on Sharon's side. I'm sorry. Wow. I, so I'm not on Sharon's side through it all. Everybody is terrible to her. This is a problem. I think in order to truly be a psycho, everyone has to be normal. And it's your own inability to deal with the nuances of human behavior that make you take these drastic efforts. But because everybody is mean, her daughter doesn't seem to care about her or talk to her. 
Jill literally cannot even let her have a moment with her own daughter privately before her wedding without showing up. She can't even let the woman make a damn pot roast without having an attitude. Evan asked her to get coffee. Everybody is so mean to Sharon that I was like, you know what? I see how these little things could pile up and make you snap. I do. I absolutely do. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm not fully on Sharon's side. I, I guess <laughs> kind of in her defense, she did not set out to murder these people. She just set out to, like, mess with them. And then, you know, contracts got left behind. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And the fact is here, you know, this is where I could have just used, I could have used, like, because like, there's one little scene with Amber and Luke where they're kind of talking where she's like, my mom's so mad at me. But I'm like, I would have loved any kind of conversation with them where it was like, my mom was always really strict. She never let me do anything. She like yeah. just something that could have set up kind of because it really does seem like Amber left her mother out cold. And I could see how, you know. No. And and based on her speech at the engagement party, she's like, my mom did everything for me. You know, like she was a single mom and set me up for success. We get almost no Amber and Luke. And right. when I hear the title Psycho Mother-in-Law, it's kind of how I felt with Psycho Wedding Crasher. I assumed that it was going to be a Sharon-like figure terrorizing Luke or terrorizing uh -huh. a daughter-in-law. But it was a Psycho Mother-in-Law terrorizing another kind of psycho mother-in-law. Exactly. That's what I mean. It was an even playing field. An even playing field. And killing an Evan who was just so rude. I don't think the world will miss him. Wow. Okay, I said it. Real villain, real villain, Jill. Done and done. You shouldn't have thrown away the macrame. This on you, Jill. Okay, and you know who my real villain is? The wedding industry. Because this was, this was two psychos driven by weddings. Naomi, weddings make people lose their minds. Don't I? know it. They go Don't I know it? So. They go nutso. I gronk spiked my husband's laptop. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. What Day, are you talking about? Days before our wedding, I took CJ's laptop and like Rob Gronkowski scoring a touchdown, I spiked it on a table. <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah, I get it, Sharon. I get oh, it. Oh, my God. Real hero? Do we even have a hero? No, no. there's no hero. There's no. Everyone loses. Maybe everyone that. Loses. Maybe the Elvis I'm <laughs> who who conducted the wedding ceremony. I know because we can't even say the cop who we do see in like no. two scenes. He do, he does nothing. So it's like can't even say he's did anything. We don't even get him coming in like. And I thought maybe it was you. Like it's like never <laughs> seen from again. Taken off the case. <laughs> well, look. I love Sharon because she is a she is a sweet nurse who was driven to the brink. And next week we have another movie, the Lifetime original premiere of Swindler Seduction. Ooh! When Louisa meets handsome investor Steve at a bar in Chicago, yes. he seems like the perfect guy. But forty eight blissful hours and countless lies later, Steve disappears, and Louisa realizes she's been swindled out of thousands of dollars. <gasps> When she discovers he and his identical twin Whoa. have been conning women for years, she has to fight fire with fire to bring the crime duo down. This movie stars Gabrielle Graham and Colton Haynes. And you know what? It premieres October 22nd at 8 p.m. only on Lifetime. First of all, I love we're in Chicago. This has a real rip from the headlines like yes. with a wink. And I cannot wait to watch this. And ooh, I feel like a little birdie told me we may have one of the stars of the film stopping by. We'll see what we can get together. We'll see oh, if we well. can do some seduction of our own, you know? 
Oh, that sounded gross when I said it. And don't miss the premiere of the movie we get into the following week, The Podcast Murders. Oh no, that doesn't sound good for Naomi and me. A reclusive true crime podcast host tries to keep a low profile despite achieving massive success for her investigation of the serial killing case she calls the bombshell murders. But soon it becomes clear that with this bizarre case, her anonymity isn't the only thing being threatened. Wow. This movie premieres on October 23rd at 8 p.m. only on Lifetime. We will see you next week, and we will be talking all things Swindler Seduction. Bye. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN, because it just might be the movie we talk about next. And wait, there's more. Check out the new Bomb Lifetime podcast, Crime of a Lifetime, where two amazing hosts take you beyond the headlines of a crime and they get into the nitty gritty twists and turns of the story. Mm, that's my jam. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. I Love a Lifetime Movie is produced by Aisha Jordan. With sound editing and mixing by The Podglomerate. Executive produced by Jesse Katz. With original music by Blake Maples. And hosted by Naomi and Megan. You should know that by now if you've gotten to this point. You should know that we're the host, okay? <laughs> I, it feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. <laughs> 